Welcome to Wednesday Night Musical Osmosis, where intelligent, dissonant thought meets melodic, euphonious reality. I am your musically magnanimous host, Nick the Saucy One Cat Source, broadcasting as always from the shadow of Hurricane Mountain. And I also want to introduce my procussively proficient co-host, calling in all the way from Charm City, Mr. Odell Norman. Odell, what's up? What is going on? How are you guys doing? Good. Nah, doing good, good man. Doing good. A little storming here, so uh, be careful. Be careful. Um, a lot of rain. <laughs> All right. And um, we've got our guests coming up here in about 10 minutes, so let's kind of breeze through this intro. We just recorded with Alice Bag, of course, of The Bags, and she's got a new solo album out. And right. um, that'll be up soon. We're going to be cutting another Waldorf Worldwide show soon. Um, Apollo's son will not be calling in this episode. Yeah. He hasn't done much since the last episode. So he'll be back next month. So let's touch on some okay. news. Odell, I sent you this right. article. I stuck it yep, on our yep, musical please. osmosis page, and it got a lot of feedback. And basically, it was this Uproxx article Right. About these bands like Guns N' Roses, all these old glam metal bands. And I remember once me and Dee were in a record store like 10 years ago. Or, well, we haven't been together 10 years. Maybe it was eight years ago. And I picked up a Poison album and I said, check this out. This is from like, you know, 90 or whatever. Um, and one of the songs was, I hate every bone in your body right. except mine. And I was like, can you believe like the songs that these dudes used to <laughs> sing? And that was like way before Me Too and all that. So now these bands, these old metal bands, are having to navigate between like these really misogynistic, sexist lyrics that the older fans want to hear, but yet they're losing all the newer fans. So a lot of them are cutting words out of their songs, or they're not even doing the songs. They're scrapping them from their playlist. But there's this fight of, no, keep the songs pure. That's, That's from the age that they came from. That's from that era, don't censor the music, to... This music is gross and disgusting, and we don't want to hear it. How does a band like Guns N' Roses or Motley Crue thread that needle, needle Odell? Well, the, those two particular bands were always, you know, it was one of those things with, like, Motley Crue and Guns N' Roses that when they would say something, it was like, okay, it's Motley Crue and Guns, Guns N' Roses. It's, it's sort of their thing. Um, nowadays, I don't know how they would thread it because, I mean, even for, you know, if you look back at Guns N' Roses uh, lyrics, I mean, some of them were racist, but a lot of them were homophobic. So, and they got away with it in that time. So I don't know how they get through it. Even I, I read that article and even a band like, for example, um, Paramore, who is, uh, you know, a newer band, if you will. Um, they stopped, they officially stopped playing one of their songs because they used the word horror, I believe in it. So they're like, uh, no, we're not doing that anymore. Um, so yeah, it's affecting all genres. Only it's funny. I, even even if you look at hip hop, which you know back in the eighties and nineties with with like NWA's and and a lot of those bands that use the B word, the N word, even you know Ice Cube in in a in a song where he uh, basically dissed the whole uh, NWA, even through the Jew, you know he used Jew in a way that was you know profane. So. Um, I don't know how you get through it. I don't know if it's just a thing that you, as you grow older, you, you, you're like, you know, that's not me anymore. And I know it, it hurts a lot of people's feelings, but you know, it's still the artist's um, right to do what they want to do with their song since they wrote it, I guess. But they're kind of like in a position that local Republicans are in running for office. Do you embrace Trump and turn off any moderate and independent? 
or do you not embrace Trump and turn off that rabid base? So now you have these bands that are like, do I stop singing? Um, yeah. I forget what Guns N' Roses song that was, One in a Million, where he uses the N-word. Do I stop doing that song and piss off my older fans who love mm-hmm. that song regardless of that word? Or do I just keep doing it and everybody under 30 tells me to go fuck myself and doesn't buy our albums or who buys albums anymore, but doesn't download our music and doesn't buy our t-shirts. Yeah. Which group do I piss off? Download the stuff. Yeah. So how, like I, I'm trying, I'm yeah, that's a good point. I mean, and navigate that. Oh yeah. I mean, I, it's, it's, I mean, it's really, it's a fine line. It's one of those things that you sort of reap what you sow. You know, if you, I, I guess, I guess my thing is, is that, when they were writing those songs at that time, they probably didn't realize that, wow, 30, 40 years ago or 30, 40 years later, I'm going to have this, still this big fan base and I'm going to cross over to, you know, from parents, actually grandparents to ah, parents to kids yeah. um, now. So you think about it, like on, on Eminem's new album, he has a song, I believe it's called Ringer, where he, he uses the line, you know, your kid, your parents, kids, your parents are a little crazy because they were raised up on what I wrote. Now you're listening to what your parents are listening to, you know? So it's like, whoa, that's right. His first album came out in like 98. So it's like, holy cow, <laughs> you know, the kid is like 20 years old now. And, you know, and your parents were listening, you know, your parents were the ones that were out there with the blonde hair and the white t-shirt, you know, singing Eminem songs. So it's like, it's that fine line. I, I I don't know how to. But it's kind of like you, when uh, your racist it or how delicate it can be. I, it's kind of like when your racist grandfather gets a pass, right? Because that song "Money for Nothing" by Dire Straits came out, I think, in the mid '80s, and they have the word "faggot" in it, like that little faggot is a millionaire. And yeah. I have never heard that word oh, censored. Yeah. I've never heard yeah. that word censored on the radio in the Dire Straits song. But in the early oh. Eminem songs, he uses that word all the time, and it's always censored. So why does Dire Straits get away with it, but Eminem doesn't? Yeah, that that's a good point, and and I think it could be just the the, the way nostalgia? the song is. It's, it's one of those songs that if, if you're not, yeah, it's one of those things. Like if you're listening to that song, and all of a sudden you're like, because I know for me when I first heard that song, you know, it's like this. Hey, yeah, it was on like WABA and whatever Q107 back in the day. And you're like listening to it, and then all of a sudden you're like, did he just say faggot? I think he just said faggot. I don't know. Oh, well. And then you're just bopping along because it's very, it has a harmless beat to it, I guess, or rhythm. But then Eminem comes out, and he's like, you know, you little beep. I'm going to bleep you up, you little beep. You're like, oh, okay, yeah, he's definitely, you know, but I don't know if it's like, I I don't don't know. So is it just all context? People pick and choose, man. I mean. Look at today's society, man. Yeah, I think enough. it is. I, I I truly do, and it's and it's unfortunate. Yeah, it's unfortunate because you know, even look at society in 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 its own. You can have people defending one thing, and you're like, you know, you're defending somebody that's absolutely wrong. But yeah, you know, but if somebody else would do it, they would be like, oh, look at this. So they would be up in arms. But like you said, I think it's who who it offends. And it doesn't, we're, you know, in that society right now. Yeah, society has changed so rapidly. I'll make this last point and then we'll get the other guys in here. But society is changing yeah. so rapidly Definitely. that I told Dee the other day, actually, I was telling my mom's boyfriend when we were in Pittsburgh this too, and he's like, you know, pushing 80. I said, if I went into a coma in 1955 and woke up in 1975, 
I would still understand the world around me. Or if I went into a coma in, in 1898 and woke up in 1918, I would still understand the world. Even if I went into a coma in 1978 and fucking woke up in 1998, mm-hmm. I would still be able to process shit. But could you imagine going into a coma in 1998 and waking right. up today? Ima- like how insane that would be to you? Oh, yeah. 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 It's a, it's a whole nother world. And just the reactions, the, the th- everything is so fast. Every, you know, your reaction has to be fast. Everything's like, we need it. We need this now. Here, this is. Here, this is. Here, this is. It affects the mind. It really does. I think, I, I think that's the reason why so many people are so out of their mind, literally, is because there's just so much bombarding you where you don't really have time to let things sink in and marinate that people just go off the cusp all the time. That's why it's, I think that's why it's so one way or it has to be the other way. There's no middle ground anymore. It's like, no, you're wrong and you, and I'm right. No, I'm right. And you're wrong. And, and there's something for everybody out there, even, even if it is wrong or right. I mean, you look at it, everything, everybody has something that is catered to them and they can find it because all they have to do is, you know, turn on their phone or flip open their laptop or, like you said, just, you know, download a podcast or whatever you want to do. It's there for you right in the palm of your hand. I've, yeah, I feel like a lot of times the information is getting bottlenecked and we're not really getting any information because there's just so much information. Exactly. And, and you don't get that opportunity to, lo- to let it marinate, let it digest. And you come up with a sensible answer. It's more like, okay, yeah, well, so-and-so said this and then first thing you do is you go on the web and you search something out and you don't, you don't look at the credits. You don't look at if it's real or not. And then you just throw it back out there against somebody else. Um, I, real quick, uh, you know, a perfect example of that was um, uh, I was looking at the, uh, the funeral for John McCain and when Joe Biden spoke and, and not to get too political, but he was talking about how back in the day you could have the staunchest Republican and the staunchest Democrat go at each other's throats. Yes. But the moment the session was over, those those same people were downstairs eating lunch, talking about each other's families and what trips they were going on together. But nowadays, you have constituents that don't even know their fellow constituents Chris and don't care to whole, know them. But yet they're quick to throw barbs. Or, Chris Matthews yeah. had a whole book about that. You know, about I mean, Reagan look at and Tip O'Gore. Exactly. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All I right. mean, even all the way up to the point where with Obama and like McCain. Yeah. All righty, um, let's get today's guest in here. D, real quick, where can everybody find us? Everyone can, of course, just go to their address bar on their computer or phone and type in www.tincancan.com, and that's just a dot, media, and then push enter. Poof, yeah there. Or you can also download the castbox.fm app. Or if you've already got iTunes, just search for Musical Osmosis. Or you can also search for Kettle of Fish under the podcast header. Yeah, and also um, jump on the ke- um, not Kettle of Fish, but the Tin Can Media page on Facebook. We just did interviews. I just did live interviews, actually, mm-hmm. with William Sanderson and Apollo's son. We actually went up to their places and yeah. got some video all the way across PA. It was a crazy trip, to say the least. All right, so Odell, this next band, has like such an insane amount of history behind them. And I'm so glad these guys got together. The music is driving. The music has emotion. The music has passion. I am so happy tonight to have Dave Holmes and Steve Moriarty on here from Wolves in Argyle. Hey, guys, what's up? Hey, hey. 
Hey, what's up, guys? Nothing, uh, man. Thanks for um, calling in tonight. I really appreciate hey, it. We're how are you doing? Out. Good to have Ladies. you guys on. Yeah, listen all the time. Yeah, we're stoked. I was checking checking out your site too, man. You guys got some hilarious shit and some awesome interviews too, man. So it's uh, you can't say shit. You can't. No. No, no, no you can dude. say whatever the fuck you want. There's no oh. gatekeepers here. No, it's no. Feel free. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My vocabulary is totally out then because I don't think I have any normal words. And you got about 20 words, I think. Yeah, yeah, we love all the abnormal words. Hey, let me set this up real quick, Dave, because um, the way this interview came about was really kind of bizarre. So what had happened, I'll try not to ramble like an old man, is we had Steve on the show. God, he was one of our first guests five years ago in 2013. And we've... Wow. we've we had him on talking about the gits. We've had him yeah. on since. Back in January, I saw he was in another band, Wolf yep. Style. Asked Steve on um, right before the interview. We were doing this 21 Punk salute. We had a bunch of different people on. <laughs> he, he had some back issues, couldn't make it. But I was talking back and forth with you guys. And, I, and then just fast forward to August. We took the month of August off to revamp the site. A friend of mine asked me to start releasing all of my old band pictures and videos because I was kind of like the archive keeper of all that shit. And I put in this video of this old, it's not really a club. It was like a warehouse with some offices that we rented out from this storage place. And I was throwing shows in there. And I had these little mini VHSs. I had to get the little converter. And I was converting all these VHSs over to digital so I could share them. And... Who pops up but the Uzis? And I was like, oh, shit, dude. I love those guys. I wonder whatever happened to them. So I run over and I grab my... I still have you guys a CD. I still have an Uzi CD. I run over. I grab the Uzi CD. I see Dave Holmes. And I go, damn, that name is fucking familiar. Where do I know that name from? Go to the Google machine. Find <laughs> out you're in the band with Steve, which I didn't even know when I was going to have Steve on in January. So I reached out to you and was like, hey, man, I've got some footage Back when you guys played at our old club, me and Paco's old club in Norfolk, Virginia, collapsed part of the stage. Do you want me to send it to you? And you yes, were just you amazed by it. That was, and it just tells me the cosmos is always at work, right? I, I was fucking blown away. I, I was like, I guess the world's so much smaller these days, too. But <laughs> Steve had mentioned, you know, doing something with you guys before, and you will be going a hundred different directions, you know, a hundred miles a minute. And then we put two and two together and you said that, and I was just fucking dumbfounded. I was like, Oh my God, this is like footage that I just want to have for the hell of it. And we had such a good time at that show. I mean, the, the warehouse you had put together, it ended up being a really good show. It was our first time on the East coast. And uh, lo and behold, we knew each other and had a fucking great time, man. So yeah. I know you've been doing stuff for music and bands for a long time, bro. That was Oh yeah, cool. dude. That's what keeps me motivated. And um, yeah, I found yeah, that video yeah. and sent it over. And I was just like, <laughs> this is just a crazy amount of happenstance. But it, it, this is, but stuff like that also keeps me motivated because I feel like it's the universe saying you're where you need to be, right? Yep. Yes, it is. And then all that, all that touring paid off one sense. Yeah. yeah. Well, what happened to the Uzis after that? Kind of catch me up from that time period <laughs> to how you met Steve and Wolves and Argyle came into um you know yeah. got created yeah. well uh i think i think i don't know how dave got in touch somebody some mutual friend said hey you should talk to my friend dave because he was in the uzis for a long time and a bunch of other bands and he got kind of burnt out but now he's starting to do music again you should talk to him and so uh dave and his fiance charmaine called him and said hey come meet for uh 
uh, a margarita down at this place in downtown Oakland. And I was like, okay, what the hell? And, um, yeah, I wasn't really doing too much either. And Dave told me about what he wanted to do musically. And we chatted and we hit it off. And we've been just talking over each other ever since. So, that's, yeah. Yeah. So we just started practicing with an electronic drum set and his guitar in his living room. And then he had a bunch of songs that he had recorded of himself. I kind of changed the parts a little bit around so I could do it. And then, um, yeah, then we brought in some other sort of, some, called in some favors for some friends and recorded a single. And then we were off and running. Yeah, man. Off and running. It, it, it was crazy. It's, oh, that's you know, awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. I, I, you know, I had this idea that I was capable of pulling off a, a fucking Dave Grohl and doing all this stuff myself and wrote these songs. I was living back and forth between here and Sweden, actually, which is another story. Um, but, you know, it came time that oh, wow. I wanted to put together a full band about the time I ran into Steve. Prior to that, um, going back to the Uzis, you know, we were on tour out there. We did a leg of that tour supporting uh, UK subs. Yeah, I was gonna say, didn't you play you with UK subs like the night after you played at our yeah, place? Yeah, yeah, we were doing a great, great time, man. I actually got to go bass fishing with Charlie Harper. On oh man, Georgia, and he shows up with this. That's awesome. Fishing bowl, fishing with Charlie, fishing with Charlie, man, and it was awesome. He's like, "Oh, I love fishing, mate." You know, you know, do this. I'm like, well, fuck, it's Monday. Let's go fishing. I we bring our poles with us, and uh, he's like, "Yeah, I bring my pole too." And I was like, you, "Really? From Europe? You bring your okay?" So we show up to Lake Lanier, I think it was, and he shows up. He's literally got a, a little three-foot Scooby-Doo fishing pole that he packed in, and, and I bass fishing. Did you catch anything? Um, no, he didn't. I think I caught one. <laughs> nice! It, it, it just, you know, that was a great tour. A couple nights we took off on our own. So we were out for like a month. Um, we came back and did a bunch of other tours. We around for a few more years. Uh, got on a comp with uh, Dropkick Murphys and uh, a bunch of other bands like the Good Riddance and stuff. And uh, we just, after about six nice. years, we had some, you know, we had some internal stuff going on. There was a lot of partying going on in the band. And uh, we were kind of, you know, the time was over. We were done. And, uh, you know, most of us have stayed friends. Uh, I I joined shortly after that another band called Shooting Lucy for a while that I started. And, um, did a few other things and took a few years off after that. I've just been going nonstop playing at punk rock bands. Right on. Well, I feel like you're where you need to be. And I told you this over email. I think today, whoever wrote your bio for your Wolves and Argyle actual website, they did a hell of a job. Cause I was enthralled. Like I was reading like a fucking Tom Clancy novel. Yes, they did. <laughs> That's rad. Lauren, Lauren will love to hear that. I got to share that with him. He's, he's in New York. Uh, Lauren Behrman's done. Uh, he, he writes. He's a journalist. He's also a musician, punk rocker, good guy. We met him through a management friend somehow, and uh, we just kind of loosely stay in touch. But yeah, we were, we we're stoked. So thank you. That's cool to hear. Yeah, yeah, I loved it. Um, Steve, let me ask you a question because from talking with you guys, from reading different interviews with you guys, um, Wolves and Argyle seems like a really close, tight-knit bunch. Is this the most that you felt like you're in a family-type dynamic since the Gits? Is this the closest you've been with a band since the Gits? Yeah. Uh, I would say, yeah. I think, it, you know, as far as touring and, and playing live and 
just hanging out. Yeah, I would say that. Yeah, uh, you know, I was going through one of those life, one of those life changes, and uh, temporarily homeless. And uh, you know, Dave and Charmaine invited me in, and I stayed there until I found a place. And so, um, yeah, I think I think family is a good way to describe it. I felt real tight with Joan Jett too on that tour with with uh, the third picture. Not so much her, not so much the management, but that was like a good you know extension uh, revisiting of the get sort of feeling. Right. Well, that's good, man. I think that's what makes it works too. Um, you guys have so much history. I was reading all the bios and everything. How much is having that much history, just from like a marketing standpoint and opening up doors in the industry? Is that a like how huge? I know it's got to be a help, but how big of a help is it that you guys have all that history in the band? You know, I mean, occasionally. I think the music is really what matters most to people, and that's where we've gotten the most response, not from so much what bands we've played mm-hmm. in and stuff, and sometimes people don't even know, and they hear the record, and they're like, oh, this is really interesting, it's really great, it sounds kind of like you guys from Seattle and Oakland. It's like, yeah, we, yeah, we probably <laughs> could do a better job of doing that. That's been the premise for us. We kind of, um, I mean, we throw it out there once in a while, but it, it was quite a while before we even put mentions up of what, uh, other bands. So I guess we probably should have marketed ourselves a little better, but we really wanted to focus on the family and the and the music and build something that we could be proud of so we weren't just riding on, on the shit we did. And there's nothing like the stuff but, we did before, really. It's just totally different. But this I'd album rather, yeah, has been kind of a slow drip, though, right? You guys have been releasing songs periodically. When's the actual full album come out? Yeah. Uh, April 1st. Yeah. April 1st, the, the record will come out, and uh, it's finished and mastered by um, Ted. Ted Doyle, he's kind of our partner in this, and uh, he uh, he engineered the session. And, nice. And he, didn't, he didn't produce it per se, didn't like change anything. He just let us go, but he recorded a big, fat rock record, I think, in a good way. P-H-A-T, I guess. Yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> what was the um, what was the pro- what do you guys like the the recording process or is it one of those things? I know some bands it's we really enjoy recording and being in the studio and then there's other bands that are like, man, we just want to get it out of the way so we can get back on the road. Where, where do you guys lie? I love, it. I love recording. This is Steve. I, lo- I love it. This the process. And cool, we, we cool. Just, yeah, went into the house and just chilled for a few days, but we all got sick and that was a thing. So like when we we're playing, we're like we're gonna get it out, man. Before you know, we've got the last bit of energy and we poured it in. So we, I, I had a bronchitis. Claire was had a fever. Holy shit! Dave, Dave had an injury, like a physical injury oh. to his leg. He oh my gosh! My boat trip. <laughs> so we were kind of a we were kind of a wreck. But that's kind of how I'm used to recording anyway. Yeah, it was it was pretty, it was pretty gnarly. Yeah, it turned out great. We're pretty well. <laughs> it's reflected in the music. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of pain in the music. Yeah, it's virtual, real, lyric. Well, I think that's that. what makes it special, man. I mean, and I'm not just blowing smoke. I listen to it and I can hear I can hear the turmoil and the yeah. pain in it. And that resonates through the music in a way right. that I haven't heard Thanks. in a long time. Yeah. Cool. We can die tomorrow then, man. Our job's done. <laughs> exactly. There no, you go. Just, no. We all work well. There you go. Stuff, but we did it. And that doing like that tour up to Seattle and played some shows and the adversity and then we had a guitar player who quit at the last minute so we had to uh, have Dave play all the parts and then Jay came in uh, later but like yeah it was it was a tough session but we that kind of adversity made it more interesting now I read in an interview somewhere and I don't know are you guys going to make it out to the east coast oh absolutely as soon as we can it's kind of delayed a little bit of this we looked at some options you know we had a single come out on Universal we had some of this like out of the gates major label interest which was weird for us kind of foreign 
Um, but of course, you're going to listen. Uh, you know, so we're kind of looking at our options and really just trying to solidify in the lineup. Uh, so we've had a lot of these plans. They're starting to come to fruition now. We just got tired of waiting around for people to do stuff for us. So we're like, we're not, we're not used to that nice. anyway. So we just start doing it ourselves. Do, you know, do what we know best. Yeah, just do it ourselves. Mm-hmm. I guess that's D-O-Y. D-O-Y? Yeah, do it ourselves. D-O-Y, yeah. Do ourselves. We did ourselves. So, yeah, so now we're just going to, we're putting out this record with Tad on his new label called uh what is it again incineration ceremony recording yeah and it's a cooperative so uh we have our own label argyle recordings and we're doing it you know uh you know tad has some solo stuff he's putting out for some re-releasing like the first tad record and some singles uh that i think so tad's yeah. gonna release Plus okay the fans he's recording any likes so we're kind of co-oping with with tad with our own label and you know, the whole distribution, promotion, radio, all that stuff, we're just kind of learning as we go. Yeah, and it, I mean, ideally, it would be nice, um, you know, talking to some people to, to hopefully get some European distribution and to pick up, you know, some partners there. So then we're, we're kind of open for stuff, but we, this way we've kept control, we've kept a focus, and, uh, you know, we kind of built our presence online and this the, the, the music instead of just jumping on the road right away a lot and burning the band out. So it's different now, you know, you can, you can, um, you know, you can reach so many more people with a video, just a self-made video on YouTube and you can play to 50 or a hundred people all over the country. It's like really, where do you want to put your energy and your money and your time? Like I'd, I'd rather just reach people as opposed to, I, I would rather play live, but it's just not that kind of world anymore. Yeah. And that's all one thing I wanted to touch on too, yeah. because you've got yeah. these two components. That's true. Yeah, these two components where you have the internet, social media, YouTube, you can get it out there, you can do it yourself, but you're competing with a billion other people who want to do this, and it, and it gets yeah. lost in the shuffle, but yeah. then you have the human connection back in our day when we were all starting out, you know, right. mailing the flyers to telephone poles and actually handing yeah. flyers to people and looking them in flyers, the eye. Flyers, yeah, staple them bad boys, yep. Yeah, so know, what do you think, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's really a different, it, everything is so yeah. different now, and I was just saying before you guys called in, if you went into a coma for 20 years at any point in history, like 1955 to 1975 and woke up, you would still understand it. But imagine going into a coma 20 years ago and waking up today. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, like, we wouldn't know what to do as a band. That's kind of like it was. But it, I think, uh, you know, but I mean, like financially, it's really expensive to live in California. Like gas is almost $4 a gallon. Holy and, shit. Uh, rent is, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's the highest rent mm-hmm. and the worst roads in the country. And so like $600 used to buy you a half page ad in Maximum Rock and Roll, where you might reach, I don't know, a thousand kids would read it that you'd add, but $600. Now, I mean, you know that that'll that that'll pay for a lot of gas. So it's like I'd rather reach ten thousand people on social media than 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 you know, a thousand people and, and spend money on on print ads. It's like it's really a different world. Yes, I, I think we'll have a better. You know what? Now. And that's a good. We still do good art and posters, though. That's that's key. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Adele. Yeah, and that's a good point you you make because a lot. Yeah, yeah. Like I was saying, uh, you made a great point there. Like, um, you know, we we've asked that question to other bands, and they sort of. You know, that's very honest. It's like, look, man, <laughs> you know, California and that whole West Coast area is a pretty big area that you got to cover a lot of ground via, you know, a van or a bus or whatever. And gas is quite expensive no matter where you go, especially out there. I mean, gas here in Baltimore is almost $3 where and people are screaming their heads off. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. 
I can imagine how expensive it is out out there and in, in the reality that you can actually save that money and use it for that. Yeah. It's 14 hours to drive to Seattle from here. You know, it's 14 hours through a mountain pass. That's all. Yep. So it's going to be more than 14 hours and that's, that's a lot of money. And, um, yeah, it's just to play Seattle, seeing plays. San Francisco, you have a few little towns in between, and you got Portland and Seattle, and maybe Vancouver, Canada. And, and we did that in the snow. Yeah. The first tour out, we recorded. And, and I remember that about Izzy's tours, going to the East Coast. And, you know, a couple of us would fly out there that couldn't get so much time off. It was work. cheaper. Yeah. That's what I want to do. Is the East Coast is amazing, not yeah. just because of the people and, and the vibe and the camaraderie. It's just it's more cities. It's different you know i don't know if i want to say better because it's, I, I love it here too but it has a lot of cool um aspects about it you can get yeah. from city to city in a freaking hour or two and so you can man you can hit a lot of shows yeah california does three weeks you know so yeah yes real quick let's pivot yep. back to your label tell us a little bit about the label is that up and running or what's going on with our Ar- did you say it was argyle well, yeah, I got recordings. Um, uh, yeah, basically it's based around this release of this band, but then I also have a really big back catalog and stuff that never was released and stuff that I'm doing now that I'd, I'd like to have a, a home for just so people could find what I'm doing, stuff that's not necessarily in, even in the same vein of music. And uh, Dave has a back catalog, Tad has a back catalog. We all just kind of like want to present our legacy, uh, you know, musical or recording legacy somewhere where it can be found. It, yeah. And the nature, you know, the nature of the beast too, with the music industry now yeah. these days is, um, you know, we built this family. If we built this, this rock and roll project, whatever the hell genre it's kind of undefined, we know we're going forward and we're going to do stuff. It's just got to be smart, calculated moves, but we also know if we jump up, we have any other partners, the more we retain control of our destiny you know, the better we're going to get treated by, by the big boys that want to just slap money into you and on all your rights um, so that, you know, we can actually sustain this and go out and grow and uh, not go broke and end up on a label, a whole lot of money and records. And yeah, so we just thought that, you know what, let's educate ourselves a little bit, re-educate ourselves. Yeah, During the time I was injured, I re-educated myself a lot on the music industry and uh, performing rights organizations and just making sure all of our ducks are in a row. So when we go forward, um, we get taken a little right. more serious and uh, it's more gratifying too when you've done all the legwork and you see something come to fruition as opposed to just having a silver spoon like oh here are these cute guys in a cute band and they look cute on stage so let's give them some cute money and have them play at the Lollapalooza yeah nobody's never described the band I was in as cute I've never had <laughs> never exactly had <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> a great word though Steve legacy <laughs> Because I'm a cat that no. always am working backwards for my deathbed. <laughs> I'm like, what kind yeah, of yeah. legacy am I leaving? What kind of parent am I being? You know, what 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 are people going to say about me when I'm gone? And I think that's important. And I think a lot of artists work that way of thinking about like the long game. Do you feel like you're an artist that works moment to moment, or are you always thinking five, ten, fifteen years out? Well, that's two two issues. I'll start like on stage. Like I just want to be in the moment when I'm playing live, and I just I lose myself maybe like. I don't know if I were to be an athlete, maybe when I'm, when you're running and you're, you're like just going, you don't really realize your feet are hitting the pavement or something. It's kind of like how, what I try to do when I'm on stage, just be in the musical moment. But after a while, you know, uh, you've created a lot of stuff, you've done a lot of other things in music, a lot of recording, and you've said some things that are really important and you've made important music. And it's important, I think, that people, uh, that if somebody... I don't know. You've been in the coma for 20 years and you wake up and you can at least find some good shit to listen to. I think that's my point. 
which is right. Odell. Also. Odell, <laughs> you want to? Odell, you want to jump in here? I know um, we've got a little bit of a delay on your end. Not fair for no, no, I'm just uh, no. I totally agree with what you what <laughs> I totally agree with what you guys are saying about just you know, especially like one being in the moment on the stage because you know a lot of a lot of artists take take what you guys do what we did for granted and then all of a sudden it can be just taken away from you you know at a moment at a at a drop of a dime it's gone so you know the fact that yeah. you're really embracing everything in the aspect of learning as as yeah learning as much as you can um living in the moment but also you know in you know protecting that future you know that's things that you pass on to uh, you know other people yeah. that because you know I know at the time you're gonna be playing with bands that are younger than you guys, so that's one of those things where you're like, hey, you know, you might want to do this or you might want to do that. Um, yeah, because there's a lot of people selling a lot of BS out there too, so I think that's really good. Some yeah. kid asked me, um, I, I, I do these therapeutic drum groups, like with hand drums, and I don't call them drum circles because I hate those things, but um, do a, a drum group at a hospital, and this kid, <laughs> he was 23, and he, he asked me, he goes. Uh, hey, you're pretty good. Uh, did you used to play in bands when you were younger? <laughs> oh, God. And I said, I, I don't remember. <laughs> we're in our 40s. We're, we're in our prime. So, I mean, to us, it's still kind of vague. We don't consider ourselves old by any means or measures other than the normal prime rib. You know, you know eggs, first thing out of bed. But, yeah, me and Charmander yeah. in Hawaii <laughs> last year. And this kid, 21-year-old waiter, I don't even think he was that. I think he was like 17 or 18. You know, he starts talking about music, and the uh, first thing out of his mouth is, "How many followers you guys have?" <laughs> yeah, I mean that's it's currency crazy. now, man. On oh social yeah, media—that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> music, what we do, who we are, where we came from, how good or, or not the music is—it's just how many followers, you know. So yeah, everything's just that's a, a fucking song waiting to happen, right? How many like yeah. social media followers do you have? Yeah. yeah that's, so the song called Followers Don't Buy Records, Bitch. We wish you well. <laughs> I think you can get an education. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, we got to get out of here soon. Let's talk about Letters Never Sent because you had said this was you guys' favorite song off the album. I totally understand why. The vibe off of this is just so potent. It just grabs you by the throat. Um, set this song up for us because we're going to go ahead. It's like an exclusive. We're going to play it here for all the fans. Right. Tell us a little bit about Letters Never Sent, what it's about, and why it's so important. Okay. Let Letters Never Sent was uh, a lot of this record. Um, you know, I had pretty much written this record. and got some input from the guys and we helped tailor it when I was done. But uh, it was a tumultuous relationship that uh, I was having. Um, with my ex, who was Swedish, living in Sweden. And, yeah, I got uh, that vibe from it. Uh, you know, I don't like to say anything bad. There's a lot of um, uh, borderline personality disorder. There's a lot of tumultuous situations, uh, cutting very crazy, crazy, crazy experience I went through. Uh, but there was also, you know, love involved at the time. And uh, wow. I think I tried to help somebody else um, get through a, a horrible childhood. And I kind of ignored my own feelings um, at the point, thinking that I could kind of help somebody. Um, and in turn, it kind of backfired on me. So I found myself in another country, uh, out in the snow, 
sometimes with somebody fucking bleeding to death and uh, not knowing how to find help, how to emotionally remove myself from the situation at the time. And I, I really just needed to come home back here, but I didn't want to come home because I was enamored with a different lifestyle. I'd done a lot here and uh, was making friends there. I was actually starting this project. I had a couple of people. I was starting to play with Wolves and Argyle. They were stoked too. Like, fuck this American guy from the Bay Area. I was playing, you know, bands. And, and um, so I was making friends there and starting to feel like I, I felt in, at home in the community there and I had to come back. Um, so it's about a lot of the darkness that I had to face that I really just couldn't share publicly. Couldn't even share some of it with my family. And in the end, I had to share a lot of it with my family. And, you know, I lost a few friends uh, during that time too. Uh, because I was trying to put my partner first, who really just wasn't capable of being in that that type of relationship. So this album was really a catharsis for you. I mean, you had to get it out somehow, and it sounds like you couldn't talk about it publicly. No, I tried not to, man. It's really not my nature. Um, to uh, you know, I grew up uh, very, very liberal parents. My mom was, you know, the second woman in the state of California to do underwater childbirth. I kind of had hippieish parents. I grew up a rock and roller. Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, I just grew up in a very respectful environment of, of, of everybody and, uh, you know, believe that everybody has the right to do this. So, you know, kind of had a big heart. It made it a little bit harder to me. I'd never been in an Oakland helicopter. Oakland, yeah, we're by the airport. By the cop. Never been in a situation to where I could, you know, uh, had, had lost control of a situation like that and really just didn't know what to do. So, um, you know, Letters Never Sent was uh, one of the earlier songs I was writing on this and put it together. Were you and, writing uh, this after you met Steve or all these like in a notebook of thoughts that you were collecting before. leading up to? Yeah, that's what I figured. No, yeah. I demoed half of them myself um, and uh, with with a couple other players and friends of mine and, and then moved and kind of came back and forth and just sat on the demos until the right people appeared and lo and behold that, you know, I took probably about a year or two and, uh, and met Steve and that was a catalyst for me to take this idea and do something more than out of my home studio with it. And uh, so I finally got a break in music. And so it's been very cool ever since it's been, uh, therapy, I guess, if you, if you will too. So, so yeah. is a finished product, what you want it to be, when it was in your head all those years ago when you were going through this? Do you think it's representative of what you were going through during that time period? Did you pull it off? Wow. Uh, kind of metamorphosed a little bit uh, over. And Letters Never Send is, yeah, exactly what I imagined. Um, you know, so much as I do some of the video stuff myself, just keep it kind of lo-fi and to the point. Um, but, mm -hmm. you know, a few of the other songs that we have are definitely more rock and roll, upbeat songs that uh, I was experimenting with some electronic stuff and making some weird sounds. And it's just in a really dark state place. So so some of the songs came out, came out different than some of the earlier demos I have. Um, but I wanted to keep it different, man. I wanted to do something new that we hadn't done before. I just did not want to have another, you know, one, two, three, four, go punk rock band and um you have to have i mean to stay creative I, there's times that's when what, I yeah i noticed that a lot yeah yeah there's times when i had to enter the show like in a different voice and like just say it like with a different inflection because i was like i can't just keep saying this intro mm -hmm. the same mm -hmm. every time so i totally get it mm -hmm. yeah people are expecting oh you put out another street punk record or this and that you know and it's like no it's actually a totally different project man um so much like what do you guys 
sound like? You know, what do you sound like? I was like, hard to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard to say, man. You know, and I throw shit out way out of left field, probably softer than we are, like like Sonic Youth or or or, or even Weezer, or, you know. And um, some of our songs will have elements like that, but it's, it's still got the rock and roll core. But uh, yeah, every song's different on the record when you get to hear it. Um, so I'm, I'm super proud yeah. of it. Speak out of it. It's got power and melody and power so melody. The, the songs like, sound yeah. very personal. Are you are That's you, awesome. are really you purposely trying to stay away from politics in your lyrics? Because it's just it's going to alienate half the fucking audience off the top. That's damn true. Oh, half of half of. I've never <laughs> been enamored by politics. politics. I've no. never trusted our government. <laughs> you know, I, although I will say, gotcha. man, I, I loved Obama. Yeah. I, I really did like Obama. I miss having him. The speech that he gave not too long ago was just, it almost brought tears to my eyes. And, uh, you know, it's now it's, it's mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's just all uh, about gas, gas guns, guns, what, you know, those are good things too, you know, but I don't know if it's going to make America great again. You know, but, uh, but the crazy uh, thing is, and the point I always make, and I'm, you know, I'm a political animal by nature, but the point I always make is I remember saying things, I posted some lyrics I wrote like in 2005 and people are like, go back to Russia, call me if you hate America. And now those lyrics would be like cheered by the tea party. Like the, the right has gone so like crazy anti-government. It's almost like the punk community can't keep up with them. They're like beyond anarchy. So it's been those, weird to see that shift. A lot of those people are just, you know, they're just not, they're just manipulated by huge interests that, that want, want their, their voting support so that they can, they can get more money from, from either selling and their money or, yeah. or, or serving a few really rich people. So I feel, I feel sorry for a lot of the quote rights or the alt-right people because I know that they're not bad people. I just think that they, they're just suckers in a, in a sad way. They're falling into it. And, and everybody really wants, wants to have yeah. freedom to prosper. Enjoy their families and, you know, feel good about yourself, man. There's no indifference between all of us, you know. I agree, man. We love our country. We love our country. Totally agree. Well, I'm an outdoor person. I love what it has here. I'm a fisherman. I mean, the geography is great, you know, but uh, the rhetoric and the shit that we have to have and the way media exposes people and, you know, makes, um, you know, women feel that they have to look a certain way and, uh, you know, subscribe to consumerism it just fucks with people's heads and i don't dig it so i, I really don't um you know i, I don't uh, watch a lot of tv <laughs> I, I read a little bit more i listen to music and i get outside and i'm a huge animal advocate that's well uh, that's that would, probably why you're a happy person why you're not that's awesome. your head off your desk like cool. i am every day hey that legalized cannabis what the hell there you go. All right, let's go ahead. We're going to play some letters that were sent on that note, and we'll be right back.
right, well, let's finish up with this. Um, I had read in an interview, I think I read in an interview, an article, that you guys already had two albums written. Is that correct? You guys already have two albums already ready to go? Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Um, well, I pulled back the reins on this to just to get and uh, to, to have these other guys make it more of a collab. So I, I, I'll let, I have like riffs and songs written that uh, I won't go forward to that we've already started chipping away at. So yeah, this record can come out and we're already working on the next one. We, we've easily got another one that pretty much be ready to probably studio in a, within a couple of months. So uh, Right on. All right. Yeah. Well, hey, I want to thank you guys for calling in. Steve, Dave, thank yeah. you so much. I love how this came together. I'm sorry we're having some bizarre delay no. in sound issues today. It's making the whole thing very stream of consciousness. Well, much love to our people out in Baltimore area, too. Cause I said, I've been working with some of the high schools there, and uh, um, they do like kind of crowd crowdfunding and helping out schools and kids and music programs and stuff. Very I do cool. work. So, yeah. So just get, stay safe out there. Thanks, and, man. Yeah. We, all you guys. Yeah, and before you, you too, um, you guys too. Before you go, tell everybody where they can find you online. Uh, we can be found pretty much everywhere online. Uh, we get our music. We've got two songs out now. They're on virtually every streaming site. Our Pandora. We have an artist radio station that Pandora gave us. That's oh yeah, amazing. Pandora's been good to you guys. Oh, our similar artists are our Foo Fighters, Queens of the Stone Age, Nirvana, Smashing Pumpkins. Um, you know, Spotify, all the streaming sites, so you know, downloads are available. But really, our Pandora has been great to us. www.iHeartRadio. Uh, we'll have physical product out the early part of uh, next year, I promise. Very cool. All right, Dave, Steve, we'll have to have you back when we're not having so many sound issues. But thank you very much for calling in tonight. Anytime, guys. Yes. All righty. We are out of here. Thank you. Thank you. Odell, it's like I'm watching one of those um, karate movies where the words are dubbed in and are slightly off from the lips that are moving. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. I, I was feeling that. It was just like a, l- a little pause after every word. It was like, I'm like, okay, do I say something or do I keep going? Or <laughs> I guess it's how we power through, though. All right, guys, we'll be back in two weeks with um, Kettle of Fish, and we are going to have... D, is it Wesley Yuri? Am I saying that correctly? From Land of the Lost? Yes, Wesley Yuri from Land of the Lost. Wait till I tell Wesley about the um, Captain 20 Croft Superstars LSD pajama pancake party Andy Dorsey had in our youth. I want a pancake party. Oh, boy. (laughs) Good It was quite the fun. It was fun. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can't have times like that anymore because, you know, we were waiting two weeks to watch yeah. like Cross Superstars, and now you can just YouTube it. And that's something yeah, that well. kids will never know is anticipating. Hey, like I anticipated like the shit out of that's this true. season of American Horror Story, and so far, I'm a little terrified. Well, yeah, you can anticipate stuff that's not oh, yet to anybody, but you can't anticipate like, hey, can you believe that they're going to be showing these reruns of this? Because right. you could just go online and find it. It's true. You know, I mean, I've done whole episodes talking about that. Yeah, it's, it's probably, crazy. On like the, the upside, episode. The Good Place comes back tomorrow, and that is Woo. my all-time favorite show of the universe. I actually just uh, wrote um, Meryl yesterday. I didn't tell you. I that. barked. I just finished watching um, BoJack Horseman. 
that oh my god i love that so much weeks, a couple weeks ago and yes. i breathed i breathed oh that show so i breathed i think I, it took me a week and i was done i was like oh, that's it i'm done Dude. oh man what do i do now now i'm watching that show um uh the one with jonah hill and um Oh, um, uh, it's Jonah Hill and it's like uh, what's their addicts Emma, or something. Um, Emma Stone. Yeah, Maniac. is it good? Yeah, yeah, that's it. I am um, Maniac. That is Jonah Hill. really yeah. good. Yeah, it's really, really good. I purposely waited on Nick. Weight. Dude, for... he looks so different. Oh my god, I was yeah. purposely waiting on Nick for The Handmaid's Tale season two, and he, it's just not gonna happen. So. I, when I was in Providence for work, it took me three days. I like, I watched the whole thing. I didn't go souvenir shopping for like the first three days. I was like, hey, don't duck out on Ozark with my boy Jason Bateman either. Yes, Yes, I have to watch. There's a lot of good TV on right now, which is good. Yeah, I hear that's it. So that, yeah, I gotta get, I gotta get that one. Yep. (laughs) All right. Well, we're gonna be back here. Um, Yeah, but all the animated stuff coming back. That's gonna be cool. Yes. We're going to be back here around the 10th, and we're going to do another Waldorf Worldwide show. Good night, guys. Bye.